Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Maura Z and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, November 10th, 2017. And we are reading from the big book. We are at page XVII in the forward to the second edition. And today's readers are for the 12 steps, we have Matt M. 12 traditions, we have Betty W. And the readers of the text are Barbara E., Hoodie R., and Monica T. The reference numbers for yesterday, 7 a.m. meeting, is 10652. And for the 10 a.m., 10654. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. I will now ask Matt M. Whoop, excuse me. Got ahead of myself there. Sorry, Matt. Hold on. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Now I will ask Matt M. to please read the 12 steps of OA, of, of, yeah, of AA. Thank you, Maura, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Here are the 12 steps is adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admit that we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when it do so into others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters. And the privacy principles and all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to service. Thank you, Matt, for your service. I'll now ask Betty W. to please read the 12 traditions of AA. Good morning. This is Betty W. Oh, OA. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear you until the. Okay. Um, good morning. <laughs> this is Betty W. from Fayetteville, New York, a compulsive overeater and undereater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and thank you for leading the meeting. And I pass. Thank you, Betty, for your service, and thank you, Matt, for yours. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the forward to the second edition. We are on page XZII, and we're going to be reading from the first through the third paragraph, starting with Hence the Two Men and ending with A New Phase of Its Pioneering Time. And I will now ask Barbara E. to get us started. Thank you so much, Maura, for your service. This is indeed Barbara E. from New Jersey, and it's an honor to be here. Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. 
This work at Akron continued throughout the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was also, also an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York or were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. It was now time the struggling groups sought to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership had, been, had reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of the, of the book. The flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. How exciting this is. Of course, the alcoholic in the bed is Bill Dobson, whose story can be found on page 182 in the big book. It's called The Alcoholic in the Bed. His wife, uh, Bill Dobson's wife, Henrietta, had actually gone to Dr. Bob at the hospital to ask for help. And, of course, for me, how can I be useful? How can I be willing? They had failures. I've had failures in my dieting life. I've had failures with sponsors. But I've also had occasional successes in my, with my sponsees, and that's such an honor because working with others helps me to remain sober. Uh, Bill was told by Bob to stop preaching and start telling him about his experiences the allergy, and the obsession. Start with the telling of your own story. That's how I had to start. If food were my only problem, if the allergy were the only problem, I simply wouldn't take in the foods anymore. My daughter has a severe lobster allergy. She needs to carry an EpiPen in case she should, by accident, ingest some liquid from a lobster. Uh, she certainly wouldn't want to eat it. Eat it, and I don't. I recognize that if allergy was my only problem, I wouldn't need OA. I have to stay away from my my allergic behaviors to food, my my mental obsession with the disease of more, 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 which me which allows me to forget what. It does to me. It makes me ruined. It makes me feel so bad about myself. These men, these original men, were gifts to us and gifts to the world. How shocked they'd be, the original people. 
to find out that there are maybe 300 people listening on this phone and hopefully participating on this phone. AA is in so many countries around the world. Uh, It's just beautiful. And AA, of course, is in so many more. The book doesn't tell me what to eat. It tells me how to live. We are recovered. I identified in the first day I walked into OA 21 years ago. Today, gratefully, I am neutral around food. There is so much of the food that I don't eat around my home, but I have this wonderful neutrality. The promises can be ours, but it takes action, and faith without works is dead. What's kept me here for 21 years is working with others. Thank you so much for allowing me to share on this. This is such a wonderful program. In order for Bill to save himself, he had to work with others. And in order for me to save myself and continue to remember my compulsive overeating and never time talking, thank you. I have to remember who I am and identify in. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this service. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Okay, so now, please, if you would like to share on what was read, give me your name one time, and I will repeat it as soon as I hear it, and we will see what happens. Press Joe star M. one Harlan to share. Sarah Joe M. Harlan G. Sarah M. Lita K. Kathy G. Was that? Yes. Here's who I have. Okay, hang on. Here's who I have. Here's who I have. Hang on. I have Joe M, Harlan G, Sarah M, Rita K, and Kathy G. Kim J. Joe M, would you please get us started? Yes, thank you for your service. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Joe M, uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics. What is AA based on? It's based on one alcoholic carrying the message to another. And that's what we need to be doing in Overeaters Anonymous. We are one overeater carrying the message to another. That's what our groups need to be doing. In these three paragraphs, they are talking about the evolution of a fellowship based on one sufferer carrying the message to another. And when they talk about these groups springing up, they are talking about a foundation for a fellowship whose job it is to tell other alcoholics who don't know there's a way out that, in fact, there's a way out. That's the purpose of a meeting. Uh, When they talk about, um, by late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. Why was it that a new light was entering the dark world of the alcoholic? Not because they were um, just staying dry. They were following the ideas, and the, idea, the ideas that they reference in here are the ideas referenced on page XVI, just a few paragraphs before. What are those ideas? Convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, 
restitution of those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief and independence upon God. What message did Bill W. and Dr. Bob carry to Bill D, AA number three? Was it, gee, you can put down the drink and you can just white-knuckle your way through it? That's not the message that they carried to him. He didn't stay sober for the next 15 years until he died. Based on that, it's it's a transformation of thought and attitude. So the purpose, the, the reason that the groups in these early days were flourishing was because they had a message to carry. They were not just creating a meeting to have a meeting. There was substance. There was meat. There was an essence of that meeting that was created from that first seed planted when Bill W. brought the message to Dr. Bob. And that's what we need to be doing in Overeaters Anonymous. And we need to understand that the fellowship by itself does nothing for us, that the fellowship is an environment in which we carry a message. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Joe M. Harlan G., it is your turn, followed by Sarah M. Thank you very much, Maura. Thank you to Team Friday, and thank you for all of you who make this magnificent meeting possible. One of the things that we hear in AA and OA a lot is we learn from the failures. I want to talk about one of those this morning. I want to talk about the reference here to there were many failures, and one of them is Eddie R. Eddie R. came into AA after Bill Dotson. And Eddie R. lived with Dr. Bob. Eddie R. and his wife lived with Dr. Bob and their two children and his wife for almost a year. And Eddie R. did not get sober. One of the things that they learned for step nine, and we make amends except when to do so would injure the person or others, is through Eddie. Eddie's wife had had an affair on him, and the women in the Oxford group convinced her to go to Eddie and make amends to him, even though he knew nothing of the affair, and they convinced her to come clean. And when she told him of this affair, he went absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and he ended up in a mental house, a mental asylum in Michigan. He lived in, he was originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then when Dr. Bob died, Eddie R. had come in and out of sobriety many times. He came to the funeral, Eddie R. did, and um, Susan and, and, and Bob, Susan and Bob, uh, Dr. Bob's children recognized Eddie. And Susan said to Bob, he said, there's Eddie. And Eddie had come back to Ohio and had come into the Youngstown groups of AA at that time. Uh, and he got sober and he had one year of sobriety at the time of Dr. Bob's funeral. And they were thrilled. The kids were thrilled knowing that the father would be so excited that Eddie had a year of sobriety. What do we learn? We learn from the people that were successful, and they learn from the people that failed. And this is the fledgling time of AA. And then in 1939, April of 39, everything was codified. But again, as was just said in in the eloquent share that preceded my own, We have the book, we have the program, and the program is of the utmost importance. The fellowship is fantastic, but unless I am using the program, the steps in the book, I'm not going to have the necessary spiritual awakening so that the mental twist will be quieted and the urge to eat food will just not be there. 
Every time I walk into a meeting, I walk in on the shoulders of the giants who went before me. And I'm so grateful for the men and women who died so I could be here not eating and doing so happily in 2017 today. I'm grateful, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Sarah M., it's your turn, followed by Rita K. Thank you. Um, this is Sarah M. from Boston. So the line that stands out to me here is, a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. Uh, for me, this really hits home both in and outside of program, things have been pretty, pretty dreary when I'm in the food and when I'm just thinking of myself all of the time. I, at least for me, things had to get really, really dark before I realized I couldn't really create my own light and that that light had to come from a power greater than myself. And today, now I'm able to work the steps with a sponsor and start to experience a little bit of that light and it's giving me a lot of hope. So I just want to say thanks and have a great weekend. I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah M. Rita K., it is your turn, followed by Kathy G. Hi, my name is Rita K. I'm from Kansas, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And, you know, the, the sentence about uh, there were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success, that also jumped out at me. And sometime in my past, I actually I actually underlined that. And um, it, it makes me appreciate the honesty, you know, of the book, of, of, of you know, of Alcoholics Anonymous of the book, because they could just cover that up and go, yeah, you know, we we really did make a lot of successes and not even say it. Talk about the failures. And so that helps me to to do that also with myself because I tend to be really hard on myself and uh, there's a lot of shame, you know, involved in my, you know, um, um, with this disease. And so as a person who has come out of relapse, and I'm so grateful for the six months that I have. But as a person who's come, I re- realize I can look at myself and go, wow, there are many failures, you know. But I am grateful for today. I can say that I thank God for today. And because this book is being honest, I can be honest and not cover up the fact that, yeah, I've been around the rooms for a long time, and this is what my experience has been. But I am just as this group learned from their experiences, I am learning from my own experience and, um, and you know, grateful to be sober in the food, grateful to have neutrality around the food as I have learned from my failures. And also watching others who are successful and just watching others in the room. So I am taking the example of the writers of this book and, and learning from both the successes and the failures. This is Rita Kay from Kansas, and thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Rita Kay. Kathy G., it is your turn. Oh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Maura, and thank you uh, so much for your service uh, on the line today, everyone, just for being here. And I had to jump in this morning because I, too, was touched by a line that someone mentioned, which is that there was uh, that they felt that there was um, convincing evidence that the membership 
to the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. And it just really struck me that the light has just continued to spread and spread and spread, not only in Alcoholics Anonymous, but through all of the other 12-step groups that have come to life as a result of this light. And I am so incredibly grateful to be part of this light today. I was um, in just actually a few days, I'll have uh, 27 years free from bulimia, but I could not stay stopped from compulsive overeating. I would just every now and then, you know, get back into when feelings, when I got too irritable, restless, or discontent, I would turn to food again. And I just, uh, you know, could stop again, but then couldn't stay stopped again. And I just pulled up my app this morning, my uh, Overeaters Anonymous uh, toolkit, just to see how long I'd been abstinent. I hadn't checked a while in a while. And it said 121 days on there. And I almost fell over because I don't think that's happened in my adult life. And it is as a direct result of this light and listening to all of you every day and the recovery that you carry. And I cannot possibly thank you enough. I was blessed to meet some of you at the convention and you've changed my life. This program has changed my life. These steps, I'm working the steps with a sponsor. I call newcomers every day. I am able to live a full, clear, clean life today because I'm doing what the book says to do for the first time all these years in program. And I just didn't, I didn't know what I was missing. And it was, I think, the clarity and fullness of this light that came from the people that work this book as written. So I just want to thank all of you. Uh, so grateful that I can be in freedom and joy today and I can have a new puppy and joyfully experience it and be present and just, um, okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm getting gushy, but I love all of you. <laughs> Thanks, Nora. I pass. Thanks, Kathy G. Okay, so just as a reminder, if you joined us late this morning, we are on page XVII in the forward to the second edition. We're reading the first paragraph, hence the two men, through three paragraphs, ending with a new phase of its pioneering time. And please press star one and give me your name one time, so if you want to share. Thank you. Larry. Lisa B. Monica T., you sound very far away. Okay, Lisa B., we'll stop there. I don't know if we're going to get everybody in, but this is who I have. Matt M., Larry K., Melissa C., Kim G., Rose M., Monica T., Lisa B. Matt M., yeah. please go ahead. I apologize. It's Melissa C. I did not speak up this morning. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Matt M., go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Matt M. Leader from New Jersey. <clears throat> Thank you for your service, Maura. Yeah, this is a really powerful paragraph, these three paragraphs you wrote. When it talks about the basic ideas, it's talking about the 12 steps of over, um, over excuse me, of, of, the, of the program, the 12-step program. And it's amazing how, like, you know, by the publication of this volume, 
The membership has reached about 100 men and women. They already wrote this book because they've already recovered. They want to give it like a manual for life. That's what it is for me. It teaches me how to live my life one day at a time. It's not always easy, believe me. I struggle. Um, but I try, I do the best I can with what I've been given. And it's not easy. My, my living situation is getting easier, but it's still hard. It's some days I have good days and bad days. But um, the pioneering time, they finally, the flying blind period finally ended. They're, they're growing by leaps and bounds. And you'll see in a couple of pages that the stats for the, the recovery stats are just astounding at this time, at this time, back in the 30s and 40s. And um, it's amazing how, how they went about this work frantically. They had to do it because in order for them to stay sober, they had to work with another, <clears throat> another alcoholic. That's why I, I try to call other people to get out of myself so I'm not so selfish because of my base nature, I'm a selfish individual. So that's why I have to talk to other people and ask them how they're working their program and, to get, to, and ask them how they're doing to get out of my head. I'm grateful I don't have to, I, I'm, every day is getting better with me and my selfishness, and I'm, I'm, I'm being covered more other-centered instead of more self-centered. I'm grateful for that, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Kim G. Hey, Maura, Maura, Maura. Hi, Maura. It's uh, Larry <laughs> Kay, <laughs> we're a glum lot, right, Maura? We're um, at Larry K, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, gosh, you know, I, you know, sometimes when I read this, this, uh, what it brings to mind to me when it talks about some of the failures, I hate the word failure. It scares me. Maybe it scares you. You know, oh boy, am I going to do this right? Am I going to do this perfect? Guess what? You couldn't do it perfectly if you tried. You know why? Because you're human. So you might as well give that up. But, you know, what it brings to mind for me is even, you know, if Bill Wilson came out of his grave and came and knocked on your door, sat down with you at your kitchen table, you know, he couldn't cause a spiritual awakening. He could not effectuate. He doesn't, he doesn't have the needed power. He no more has the needed power. I don't have the needed power. Do you know there's not one person on the line this morning that has the needed power to, to bring about a spiritual awakening in you? I'm O for, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of hundreds. I've never brought about a spiritual awakening in anyone, nor will I ever. These steps, what they do, if worked, if we follow the instructions, they effectuate, they bring about a connection with the higher power of your own understanding. Don't ask me how. I, I'm, 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 that God job, is, it's been filled. I don't know how. It's not about science, I don't think. But what happens is, is you're brought into alignment with your higher power. You move from a, I think what happened to me is I moved more from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. I'm still a work in progress. I don't think God's done with me. I hope he's never done with me. But one of the things that happens when you, when you, do, when you take these actions and this, this transformation unfolds, we don't make it happen. It unfolds. We get out of the way and allow it to happen. It's a very natural, organic, authentic thing. And one of the things that happens is the obsession is lifted. I don't know how it was lifted, but it was lifted. And you know what? For me, it's never returned. And I don't think I'm the only one. But there's so many other beautiful changes that occur. And that's the thing about this is the, the failure, uh, God is, is uh, the God of your understanding, 100%, 100% effective. 
when you do when you take these actions. Try it. See what happens. See what happens. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kim G, it is your turn, followed by Rose M. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And that word frantically is just jumping out at me today because it mirrors my own experience. I frantically needed needed to carry this message. You know, for myself, my experience, I was um, 17 years in OA. I was in a five-year relapse. I was bed-bound, and someone gave me the phone number of a phone meeting, not this one, but a phone meeting that was carrying a message of depth and weight, carrying the message of a problem, a solution, and a plan of action. And in a matter of seven weeks, I recovered after years of temporary respite. Now, I come from an area where there's lots of meetings, but those meetings mostly were coffee clutches and people who were white-knuckling their abstinence, mostly in relapse. So what I went about doing with this book in my hand was I carried the message to whoever wanted to hear it. And I have to tell you, I didn't do a great job in the beginning. I was very frantic and would slam people over the head with this book, but I wanted to carry this message. And I sought out others who wanted this message, and we started to have this little groups of two or three. So what we did is we met in my house, and we listened to this meeting, and we practiced carrying this message of depth and weight because it was very different than what I heard in, in, in my regular OA meetings or my normal OA meetings at the time. And then we started to bring big book panels. We asked meetings, you know, would you want to hear this message? And we went around a, a group of us, and we started carrying that message. I started going to AA meetings because that's where I was hearing a clear message that I wasn't hearing, and unfortunately, in my local OA meetings. And then my home group decided to change our format to this AA meeting format. And I have to tell you, my meeting has grown by leaps and bounds, but we also get a lot of pushback from people who don't want to hear this message. And for those who don't, that is fine. You know, Bill talks about that you have to be willing to go to the most sordid spots on earth to carry this message. And unfortunately, in many 12-step programs, the most sorbid spot on earth are contemporary 12-step meetings. So I just have to tell you, I mean, the reason I'm sharing this is because I do have a concern um, at certain times because I hear people wanting to start Vision for You meetings. And it's not because they want to frantically carry this message. They frantically want this message. So a meeting that is not grounded in recovery can't carry a message of depth and weight. There is nothing special about the Vision for You format. What I find is special about a vision for you is recovered voices that carry a message of depth and weight with electricity. And I want to end with just sharing a real gratitude, a real gratitude that when we listen to these recordings over the last five years, that I hear the same voices, that I hear people that have were recovered five years ago who are still recovered today, people who are willing to come on this line and share a message of depth and weight on a daily basis Whereas I, in my meetings, it was you never knew who was going to be absent when you walked in the rooms. So thank you for a platform to share this message. And I ask everyone, get this message, get recovered, and then go out and carry this message in Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Rose M., it is your turn, followed by Monica T. Hi, um, this is Rose M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Philadelphia area, and um, I just uh, I just wanted to share about um, what uh, working with others does for me. Um, also, in relation to um, to what we're reading, um, I 
I know that um, my brain needs to work with others. Um, you know, just like how um, recovery is dependent on me working the program every day, um, I, I know that for some reason um, my, my brain absolutely needs to um, be focused on um, service to others and helping others. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to, um, you know, keep thinking about myself. <laughs> um, and, you know, also I really want to give back um, to others and, and spread the message. Um, I'm so thankful for all of you on the line. Um, you really helped to save my life. Um, I know it was up to me in the end, um, but um, you you all helped show me the way. Um, so I'm, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for my sponsor. I'm so thankful for, for all of you on the line who've always been so generous, um, uh, you know, in terms of giving your time. Um, and, you know, in this particular reading, um, you know, one thing that really um, popped out at me was the line, um, though no one realized it at the time. Um, and, you know, we we have the benefit of, of looking back and saying, you know, this worked. You know, we, we know it worked. We can look back on everyone before us and and these, you know, starting members of AA and say, like, you know, look at the record. We know it works, so we're going to work this program. But they um, didn't know what was going to happen. However, they knew that working with others worked for them, and they kept doing it. So regardless of knowing the outcome of what was going to happen with their group or what was going to even happen to the people they were working with, they just kept doing it because they knew they knew that it was helping to keep them sober, and they knew it was working for them. Um, and, you know, when it talks about a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic, I mean, we're, we're living in that light right now. Um, we, we, know that, we know that it works, um, and we can bring that light to other people who are living in the darkness. Um, so I, um, you know, I just, that's, those are kind of my thoughts about what we were reading, and um, I'm just grateful for this fellowship and, um, you know, for the place that we are in time where we can look back and um, see that, you know, this does work. Um, and, you know, I think regardless of, of whether or not we know the outcome, we never know. I don't think we're necessarily in a place to judge um, the failures. Um, you know, we never know. We never know what's going to happen when we spread the message. Um, so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rose M. Monica T., it is your turn, followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Maureen Lee. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Ex Excuse me, Monica, you sound like you're in a tin can. Can you up your volume, please? Um, okay, it's probably not my volume. I will pass. Well, we can hear you. It's just very quiet. Usually, hmm, I don't know. Volume doesn't usually have, uh, well, if I speak a little louder, is that better? Oh, much, yes. Thank you. Oh, I need to wake up this morning. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right, so here we are in the forward, and their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. And I just wanted to go a little further here on Bill D. Bill Dotson was an attorney. 
and he had been hospitalized eight times in six months period. And this was his eighth time in the hospital being dried out. And all and the seven times before that, he got drunk either on the way home or shortly thereafter from leaving the hospital. So it sounds pretty pretty bleak, doesn't it? But at the same time, I get a lot of hope out of this. You know, he had relapsed seven times, and they helped him seven times. And now these two guys come in, and they're telling them that they've got um, – um, they need some help. They need some help. Dr. Bob and Bill need help so that they can continue to get well. And he, and he likes that idea. Well, I'll, I'll listen to them because I like being a help to others. And, of course, he does. And he becomes and he decides that, you know what, God ought to be able to do anything. And he goes, he goes for it. He does the work and he recovers. The other thing I wanted to bring out was in the second paragraph, that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. You know, for centuries and probably since the beginning of mankind, there was no light when it came to alcoholism. If you were a real alcoholic, you were going to end up in an asylum, jail, or dead. So this was really a lot of hope and a lot of light here for these people. And what was the message in, in the third paragraph? What was their message they had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I agree. We need to go out into the meetings and we need to bring this message. We need to be the light, fired up, because so much fat serenity going on in our rooms. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Lisa B., it is your turn. Good morning, this is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, there's a few lines that jump out for me. One is there were many failures. And I'm so grateful for the honesty that my recovered guide shared with me when we reached um, going into step 10. She shared with me that she had not wanted to do her 10 steps and relapsed and had to go all the way back to the beginning. And um, I'm really grateful that she shared that with me because in the beginning I had a huge resentment about having to do 10 steps. I felt like it was just uh, so much work and so demanding. And, of course, now I'm so grateful for the 10 steps. And then the other thing that jumps out for me, it says a number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered. So I'm seeing, I'm hearing in the recovered voices, I need to hear recovered people. That's been my experience. I've got to see that this is something that works because I come from an experience that I don't believe it's possible to be happy and be abstinent. I just didn't think it was possible. I didn't know that neutrality around food is about being recovered, and that's one of the things that we get, you know, one of the many things that we get is being a recovered compulsive overeater. I didn't know that being recovered was the goal. I thought abstinence was the goal. Now I know abstinence is the key, you know, to get me in the door and then begin the process. And then the other thing that jumps out for me is when it says, though no one realized it at the time. So he's saying that the AA group had actually been formed, but no one realized it at the time. And I see that with the people I work with. Um, 
I can see the progress that is beginning to happen of the steps taking root in their life, their higher power working, recovery is beginning to happen. And I see it in them before they see it in themselves. You know, and that's what happened to me. I, my sponsor shared with me that she saw that I was recovered before I saw that I was recovered. And that's what happens in my life today. God is working. My higher power is working. These principles are working. And often I don't see it until I'm a ways down the road. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you for your service. I'm grateful to be here. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Okay, we have, let me check my paper here. We actually have 10 minutes, so I think we can comfortably get in three shares. Who would like to share this morning? Star one. Nessa R. Nessa R. Linda Diane R. B. Linda R. And Diane B. Diane B. Let's do that. Okay. Nessa R., please get us started. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater um, in Toronto, Canada. And the line that uh, sang to me this morning is there were many failures. Uh, because this week I was feeling actually disappointed and discouraged in my own ability to carry the message. Um, you know, just because of several things that had happened with sponsees and former sponsees. And, you know, I was reminded by a caring uh, fellow in program, one of my friends in program, who said that my job is not to get people recovered. My job is to try to carry the message. That's what step 10, uh, 12 says. It says we try to carry this message. It doesn't say we get other people recovered. You know, the reason why I carry the message is so that I, so that I can stay recovered. Um, you know, Dr. Bob um, gave four reasons for actually carrying the message. He said, um, you know, in his, in his story, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, sense of duty, it is a pleasure because in doing so, I'm paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. He doesn't say here, you know, because I need to save um, others from this disease and I think the reason why Step 12 is, 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 is um, worded this way and why Dr. Bob summarized his efforts in this way as well is because recovery is not the sponsor's responsibility. It is the addict's responsibility. You know, a person can have the best sponsor and not recover. And a person can have the worst sponsor and recover. And the only... Um, the, the, the only um, difference there is what we read not too long ago um, in, in A Vision for You, which I guess has become um, one of my, my favorite, favorite uh, quotes in the book. It says, to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. So somebody who doesn't have willingness, who has no patience and is not willing to labor, um, it doesn't matter what the, the, the sponsor says or does, they're not going to recover. But if they do um, invest, you know, their willingness, patience, and labor, they're going to get the payoff. You know, that's definitely the experience for me. I was in this program for, for nine years without the willingness, patience, or labor. I just wanted it for free, you know. But once I saw what was possible when I met somebody in whom the problem has been solved, um, 
who, um, you know, whose life wasn't perfect, and yet she was happy, joyous, and free, uh, not to mention in a normal um, body, then I acquired that willingness, patience, um, and, and, uh, and labor. And, and that, that's the bottom line, you know. I, thank you. I can't be dis- discouraged by my failures. I have to remember why it is that I'm carrying this message. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Linda R., followed by Diane B. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Linda R., recovered in South Florida. Very grateful to the fellowship. Um, No failures. I'll just talk a little bit about that, too. To me, you know, I came into the program in my 20s, my late 20s, and I just turned 70. So I've really been in the program a very long time. Thank God I've had a very long-term abstinence, not perfect food abstinence, and working on that mental obsession abstinence on a daily basis as well. However, you know, I believe that there are no failures in recovery, but there are delayed successes. So I've worked with many people that I've sponsored, and many of them, you know, just don't get it. They don't want to do it. They leave. And then I do, like, next, next, next. To me, I look at it like a numbers game. Now, in my resistance, I've also, you know, had many different sponsors and been in different levels of recovery throughout the process. So for me, my higher power has led me and directed me to various fellows in the program who have helped me acquire depth and weight. But perseverance, perseverance, that's for me the word. It's one of our principles. The other thing I want to share is that In my own personal uh, life as a senior citizen now, you know, I too am pursuing many new things, not only with the steps which are integrated into my daily living, but I'm in this interview process now where I'm being interviewed by people that are in their early years, like 20s, 30s. So it's another experience of the same thing. You know, I could look at myself with a lot of fear and apprehension, but again, it's the same thing. There are no failures, only delayed successes. So I have to look at that in my step work, in my personal life, and when I work with other people. That to me is step seven, you know, to embrace both sides, to love the other person, to love myself, and to just, you know, move on in the process. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Linda R. Excuse me. Diane B., it is your turn. Diane Star One. Hi, I'm sorry. Um, I came to uh, this phone line Monday, and I've just been listening. Uh, I I quickly want to say that I'm desperately in need of connecting with members who know and understand starvation. I experienced compulsive overeating greatly, I mean greatly, but before I compulsively overate, I compulsively underate. About 32, 33 years ago, I was hospitalized on an eating disorder hospital in New York, Westchester County. 
they did not know what to do with me because, one, I was a black woman and the face of anorexia was with young white girls who were skinny, uh, like Karen Carpenter, the singer, who died from anorexia. And two, I wasn't that, but I was about from a 12 going into a 14. And everybody on the eating disorder unit were young, white, 13, 14, 15, 16. And I was in my early 30s. They didn't know what to do with me. They really didn't know what to do with me. They hardly knew what to do with uh, eating disorder. People who had eating disorder, they were just beginning to learn. And uh, so I could go on and on, but uh, I like to share uh, in the in the hospital, after we finished eating, we had to take our trays up to a table, and there were a line of people who wrote down everything we ate and everything we didn't eat. And again, I could see the puzzlement on their faces because my tray was full of food. I hardly ate anything, but I wasn't a size one or two, and I was black, and they didn't know what to do with me, so God brought me, I'm in my 70s now, my early 70s, and God let me live and brought me to this point point to find a vision for you, and please, anyone who has experienced anorexia, please call me. Thank you for letting me hear, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Diane B. And if you can stay around to the end of the second hour, available sponsors will be giving their contact information. That will be coming up at about 8.50. Yes, 8.50. Okay, we have time for a two-minute share. Who has has a quick two-minute share? Okay, I'll share for two minutes. I don't usually do this. Okay, Suji, go ahead. You've got a minute now. Thank you. Um, This is Suji, recovered from Michigan, by the grace of God. Um, When they say the light came in, I think that was when God entered, um, when they really understood their spiritual need. Um, Because without that, we'll never get recovered. Um, I know that that made a big difference in my life. And uh, I think when they shared and they they had some failures in that, maybe the the people weren't weren't getting the message about the spiritual, or maybe at first they weren't weren't um, given it either at first. Um, but whatever it was, I just know that that's the answer. It's the answer for my program. Um, I must spend time with God every day. Um, and pray before I think before I think and pray before I um, do or say anything 
when before I talk to a sponsee, before I talk to an outreach call, I need to get God into it so that my message that I'm sharing is um, with God consciousness. With that, I pass. Thank you. Perfect timing. Thank you, Suji. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Friday, November 10th, 10656. I'll say it again. Today's share ID, 10656. We will now close with the reading from the big book. Excuse me, on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Hoodie R, please read page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive on this. Hoodie? Hoodie, are you there, star one? Good morning, Maura. Do you hear me now? Yes, I do. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for your service and a wonderful meeting. My name is Hudiar, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us. As you trudge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then.